everybody. Welcome to another episode of Flail Forward, the podcast about game design and amateurism, but mostly amateurism. Uh, with me in the dumpster fire are Karis Nauer. Crackle, crackle. Fred. Uh, hello. How shit? <laughs> Jonathan. Hello. Hello. Mr. Capwar. Good evening, wherever you are. And Mark is here as well. Hello. Hello. And who are you? My name is Rob. Ah, Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> what is it other times? That guy. Robert. Uh. That's a Robert. Yeah, on my credit cards and stuff, it's definitely Robert. Damn. Anywho. So we're going to be talking about continuing our discussion on uh, incentives. And now we've gotten defining them and how they work and the different kinds sort of out of the way. Um, we're going to talk a little about how they work in our particular games, uh, how we think they should work in RPGs and um, whatever other things we can argue about and weird yeah. examples. Yeah. So let's start, let's start with the top. So car, you were, you talked a little bit about how your XP system works. Um, so what makes it what what problem are you trying to solve that your XP system is dealing with if it's trying to solve anything? Um I think it's generally the same problem of that any other RPG tries to solve with a reward system is do something and get rewarded for it. The two questions in there are what are you expected to do and what do you get for doing it? Mm -hmm. so <clears throat> my game is universal and it kind of brings in incentives under that umbrella so it's very deliberately not proscribing any incentives for the players okay um so like earlier uh i talked about how you could use xp if we're going to use that term for to, narr to mechanically represent the narrative of working through trauma mm -hmm. or like overcoming a challenge or something like very personal. Mm -hmm. But there's <clears throat> another, uh, I think it's a flaw, which I recently changed from Quest, which sounds which was expectedly like just that and you know that kind of limited but mm -hmm. i rewrote it to be titled want which encompasses any kind of desire okay so you broadened it out and and in order to give it more narrative scope yes hmm. there's a, a lot of things in my game are designed to be interpretable and very malleable mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something I achieved by rewriting Quest to be want. Like, it's very literally now, what does your character desire? Hmm. Not just, what are you going to do for some reason? Right. You're actually wanting them to specify the reason instead of the action now. Yes. Okay, cool. What about you, Fred? So in in 
in wander what's the what's the incentive what's your main like thrust um, on these characters uh well so and how they're... is card wrong no <laughs> <laughs> uh, no nah, i don't think Car's wrong i don't i don't feel the need to get into that um but uh the main like uh, I, I guess XP variant that I have. I mean, it's basically experience, but it's called perspective. Um, and you gain perspective by uh, two, via two ways. One is which uh, interacting with the world. Um, so like and interacting with the world in Wanderlust means that you are actually phys- like physically in big air quotes, changing the world around you or making an impact on the world or by um, changing how you view yourself and by how you view your past. Um, And so you gain perspective by changing your, um, basically, the parts of you that you use to interact with the game world or by interacting with the world. And so that's the incentive it creates is to change yourself and to change the world around you the two main things i'm trying to incentivize at least with that main like experience kind of Mm -hmm. uh, cycle so how is that earned exactly how is like what is what do you do to get it um well it's it's just it's uh very it's simply a trigger basically it is Mm -hmm. when you do x you gain perspective so it's and and this is completely player based. So whenever a player feels they have made a significant impact on the world, um, they gain a point or two of perspective. Or it's when they, uh, well, the other one is you physically like change something on your sheet. So you erase um, one of the descriptors you have or something like that and mm-hmm. change it, and then you gain a point of perspective. Okay. What does that do? What what well, is perspective for? Yeah, what's up? Uh, oh, uh, so perspective is um, then spent like experience to. Um, I mean, it's 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 a part by the apocalypse setup, so it's mostly spent to um, gain extra moves or to improve the resources that you have. Um, okay, and there are also there are some playbook things that you can use perspective for, but those are the two main ones that you can use it for. Hmm. Cool. So, uh, Jonathan, so you, your game doesn't have advancement. And so your incentive structure is quite a bit different from everybody else's. And it kind of encompasses that idea of like the incentive being the game itself. Like you're, you're incentivizing a certain, you, you have a certain experience totally planned out. Um, so tell us about how you sort of get the two characters to do what they do. Yeah. Um, Hmm. So the characters do what they do because they're in certain situations that basically demand them to do what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's sort of decided uh, beforehand. Um, But to to think about incentive for the players, this is a mostly play because it's fun. Um, There's an aspect of uh, player to player competition, I think, though, that comes into effect. Yeah. just as a bit of human nature. And I think that is a a good start. Um, But it's also... Hmm. Just kind of spitting out different things. Because I I didn't think about these things when I made the game. 
So I tried to, I'm trying to shoehorn them in after the fact and mm. wondering what people might like about it. Um, <laughs> That's kind of interesting. But, so, so you started out with like, I not having a sort of incentive structure and then. Well, I mean, I, I still, that? I don't really believe, I, I just feel like the structure of the game works like the mm. incentive. It, 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 it definitely break, does. Yeah. Yeah. The, the breakdown of the incentive is, I think at its base is, you know, you try to accomplish your goal um, mm -hmm. and the player's goals are counter to each other. So there's that. I think that's where the, the incentive comes from um, is that structure. Um, but I think it's just um, a cool story for creating a cool mm -hmm. narrative of a chase that that's the main benefit of it all. Right. So, yeah, I'll, I'm just going to say something real quick. Uh, Cuts of the Chase is even, is even more, is like two steps down the chain of towards play to find out what happens as the, as the primary goal from your standard PPTA game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially since it's competitive too. Yeah. Which is unusual for an RPG. Yeah, it's it's the characters are competitive, and I mean, does that competitive bleed to the the players? I'm sure. I, uh, yeah, but. a little. I mean, you know, yeah, when I was playing, it, I... didn't really. It's like we got the story out of it. You know, like yeah. we were, we both enjoyed. Like it didn't feel like there was a loser at the end. I'll put right. it that way. When I was playing, um, there we. I don't think either of us was really trying to win, but there was a clear winner more than there should have been because the dice hated us and one of us did really well and one of us did really poorly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I, I guess what I meant to say is there didn't feel like one of us was a loser. Yeah, like, even no. though somebody, like one of the characters lost the conflict, like it didn't feel like one yeah, of us Yeah, I know. Well, there, yeah. there was a... Yeah, no, we had more of that but only because the dice decided that they hated one of us <laughs> with a burning <laughs> passion. So it felt like they sometimes. lost, but they yeah. still enjoyed it. And it, 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 it was still a whole thing, but um, those dice go in the microwave at the end of the night. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. Oh, sorry, Kari, what were you going to say? I I was going to say that Cut to the Chase kind of sits on the fringe of what an RPG is and the direction of where it is on the fringe is very much toward parlor game. And that's not to be critical of it. That's just, you know, laying out the nature of what it is. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, um, I think that uh, just to respond to that, um, I, I had comments in the initial uh, sort of developmental phases of it that, oh, it just reads like a, a board game, blah, blah, blah. And so I just forced the narrative um, by my with my text, like, this is how you role play this game. Um, but to, to go beyond the last sort of incentive that exists, it, the players are playing to find out. Um, and the player that wins, or the character that wins, that player gets to um, sort of say how the end looks. Mm -hmm. um, they, they win the last bit of narrative authority. Because we we share it throughout the whole game, but in the end, one person gets to finish it off. Right. 
Um, this history is written by the victors. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That'd be another good name for the game if you want to make it more, more yeah. warlike. <laughs> Maybe the gaze is only on the victors. Hmm. Yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Cavoir. Okay. <laughs> Here's a. <laughs> Uh, this is one of those what, things where it's very hard not to get lost in the reads, but I'm going to try. Okay, so currently it is a Forge in the Dark game using standard Forge in the Dark things, but there's an increase, but due to the twist in its nature and putting the spirit into things, uh, it's, there's, a, I have a lot of, I'm trying to rework the incentive structure so that it, it uh, basically incentivizes people throwing their, like, going clear over their heads and everything happening too fast. That's the ideal way the game should be played. It's, it's a kind of strange to try to invoke that feeling, but it I uh, would have to go on a, like, this is why there's so many ways to, places to get lost, because I could go on a tangent to explain why I'm intentionally courting that. And then there's the spirit whose incentive structure is different. Uh, and I've gone through a few models and I'm not entirely happy with any of them. But hmm. so I can't speak to how that's going to look in the final game. And there's this weird thing where the, depending on how you define final, there's a reasonable chance that nobody outside of this group is ever going to see it, aside from before <laughs> playing it. So I feel kind of weird talking about it at length too, for that reason. But, um, but you do bring up the an interesting topic of asymmetrical incentives. Yes, I do bring up that topic, and we will loop back to it after I'm finished talking because I am not finished talking, unfortunately. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I unfortunately. Um, the other thing, so other than designing for that, um, essentially, I try to, I try to incentivize uh, this weird balance where everybody is simultaneously working together and again, and sort of not really against each other. Like everybody's working together, but they are all have their own primary goals, essentially. And those are the most important thing to each player at the table. For more, which I guess is kind of standard blades, but not. But I intend to try to bring that out more, basically. And that is, mm-hmm. and that is part of why I have chosen to, instead of making the playbooks uh, career or skill set based, they are based on the most important thing about an agent's nature, an agent being a non-god PC, um, and, which is their fundamental overruling desire that that causes them to be able to commit atrocities in the name of it. <laughs> yeah, this game's uh, slightly weird. I'm I so excited to actually play game. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope I can accomplish the goals I'm trying for, but they do present a lot of problems. Uh, the, 
that said, I think that about covers it, unless anybody has any follow-up questions. Yeah, what? (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But seriously, it just sounds so interesting to have, like, like a, a, a pseudo adversarial GM that also has a character that's actively working against the player and has incentive to do so. And the players have ways to subvert that thing, but not directly. And I, it, I it's so complicated. I just want, I'd love it. I just want to play it. I really just want to play it. It just sounds so fucking interesting. Yeah. That, that's the thing. I'm, it's really hard to kill babies because there's so many things because I wanted to have a very distinct feel, but designing the infrastructure for that distinct feel is a headache. Oh, I, I understand what you're saying. I thought you meant literally kill babies. Yeah, no. Uh, because, no, killing, ba- killing babies cult- is unfortunate. Is maybe unfortunately probably a valid thing you could do in that game, provided nobody that's says that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, good. Flail 4 does not condone the murder of babies. Yes. <laughs> nah, don't kill children. Unless they're Irish. But adults, <laughs> but adults go to town. <laughs> uh, let's not condone any murder. Yeah. Uh, just just, just on the record. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> I mean, off the record, you guys can do whatever you want, yeah. but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, on the record... On podcasts, let's not condone. Yes, one kind of murder, uh, or over another, another. over another. <laughs> and for when we forget to edit that part out, we're sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not Fred. editing this out. This is gold. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I you're up, Mark. Talk. Yep, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Follow that. Yeah, my game does not feature infanticide, but um, uh, well, it could go. Actually, okay. <laughs> you want to back up a second, buddy? Because me and Jonathan, <laughs> we created a setting in your game where part of the game was chucking kids into whirlwinds. That's that is true. That did happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so on that note, I guess the the structure of the game world rewards is intended to be. Like, question-based rewards whatever the players want to explore so i, I guess to kids into whirlwinds yeah and that's a thing that would happen in our game world so i think the uh like one of the incentive structures is just the design of setting that you are able to then set up your own incentives to go after it, it sets up sort of the world around you and what your uh, collective group direction is in terms of what you want to get out of your play experience. So um, that's the group dynamic level. And then on an individual um, incentive level, the core mechanic of the game is that whenever you take an action, um, it involves playing cards that have um, a narrative or like semantic meaning behind them. Um, and you gain experience just by playing cards. So just by taking actions in the game world and taking risks, you're rewarded with experience that helps um, better define your character in what kinds of skills they can more likely succeed in. Um, And in defining new narrative aspects about your characters on those kind of semantic cards. 
So you actually write on the cards, is what you're saying. You, sure. you write on them Both as mechanically. You sorry? I'm sorry, do you write on the cards as you advance? Yeah. So the okay. idea is that they're actually physically written on with mm -hmm. character aspects. Um, so I would say um, forgery. And mm -hmm. I'm an expert in that. And that is on one of the cards. So as I play it in the game, I can tap into that aspect of my character and mm -hmm. use that for a mechanical benefit. Um, so the idea is that it rewards a narrative consistency within the character, that the more you're able to continue to channel that aspect of yourself, the better your results are in mechanics. Mm -hmm. um, and subsequently, the more options you have to continue in that kind of sphere of uh, skills. So okay. if you would consider forgery like a very uh, intelligence-focused skill mm -hmm. or a rational skill. And you get more cards to be able to add new rational skills to define your character. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the, the core structures I think, of Praxis. Um, what, what I've been working on lately is um, like a, a long game aspect of it. Um, more to what Jonathan was saying about creating a uh, narrative how use it? Narrative authority. So one of the structures I'm playing with is the idea that if you continue to play cards that are of a same uh, pattern or a same suit, um, you can use that chain of cards to buy yourself a scene um, where you have narrative authority. So if you continue to play very physical cards, then uh, you buy yourself the ability to, like, create a scene for yourself where you describe you physically uh, overcoming an obstacle or physically like taking down an opponent um, in some way. Um, if the cards that you'd played were instead more of the rational mindset, then you could take that scene to do something like a flashback where we say your character has planned this out and knew about this eventuality. So you've set up for like you, you stashed the gun in the, in the bathroom, so now you have this resource that you can use immediately. Um, so that's a concept that I'm playing with right now with using the cards in a strategic way to get a narrative benefit. So yeah, those are, I think, the basic uh, incentives that I've tried to set up with Praxis. This is... <clears throat> interesting how when we take that type of path um a situation could be that we do a bunch of things uh that and we're able to buy a a scene or mm -hmm. some sort of narrative benefit that mm -hmm. sort of gets us what we uh, what we want as a character or we prepare and are strong and and then we mechanically beat the shit out of something exactly. and get what we want as a character. Yep. And that's, that's the duality that I want to play with that. I think I want your character to feel like you've constructed it, whether that's you have made yourself into a storytelling machine and that your best focus is on being able to set up your scenes for your character where they can be experts 
or mechanically you can interact with the game in a way where every skill check you make is powerful. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. How that works out? Yeah, I like it. So, Rob, I guess you're up explaining incentives and ashes. Yeah. Um, I've got a, I've got a couple. I mean, one of the things. So I, I have an experience system. I, I described that in the previous uh, podcast. Uh, just for just quickly, though, when you do something that grants XP. Um, and a number of things do. Uh, uh, taking enough damage to go to go down in combat grants point. Um, taking a risk on an approach grants a point. Um, embodying one of your uh, your loss or your coping mechanism or your calling grants a point. Uh, those are the major ones. And um, when that happens, you drop one point into a central pool at the end of the session that is divided up. And for every three points that everyone has so everybody has to have three going around the table so if there's a remainder that goes back into the pot for the next session um Mm. and uh then you get one advance and the advance is generally honing your abilities as to to act within the game um so it doesn't xp in my game doesn't advance narrative aspects um i leave that mainly to the gameplay um but it is i do have there are mechanized ways i do that um within the game so go ahead well narrative aspects can affect your xp though narrative aspects definitely affect your xp yes yeah yeah but they don't they don't have they don't have a narrative spending xp doesn't have a narrative output right um other than other than sort of um contributing to the narrative of how your character impro- characters right. improve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I want to linger on that incentive. Of so is it that let's say I'm in a game with um, Fred and I have generated yes. seven experience and Fred mm-hmm. has generated two. Mm-hmm. Do nice. we put that all into a pot and then, mm-hmm. um, we consume three each and the yep. next three goes into the pot for the next. That's right. Is that right. Okay. Yep. So then am I incentivized to work as hard as I did to get that seven experience? Well, the thing is, is it's generally not work. That's, that's one of the ways I wanted to set up the experience system is, is okay. it's really, it's really not work for it. It's do interesting things. Um, and because so people's coping mechanisms, one of the things that you have in this game is, is a coping mechanism to deal with what happened that, you know, on the day of wrath. Um, for some people in playtests, it's been stuff like um, uh, lashing out at people or uh, drinking excessively or um, uh, over planning. That's one that was one that was kind of interesting. Oh, cool. Um, and these, these are free forms. So these are chosen by the characters that there's not a list. It's just right. how if there's suggestions, but I don't have, a, I don't have a, like a hard and fast list. And so to get the XP for that, you can do that anytime you want, as long as you do it within the narrative. So I had, uh, one, of, one, one of the, uh, situations that came up was a character was training some 
guards in uh, to to help defend a keep. And um, it, during the training, he said, "I'm gonna gain an XP by lashing out at these guys." And so, like you know, in the middle of training, he just starts wailing on one dude, and so that creates narrative consequences because now, like these guys are like, "Okay, this guy's a little nuts," and I don't right. know, you know, like it, it, it. He he got experience for taking his p- character down a path that his character didn't necessarily have control over, like representing mm-hmm. that sort of like loss of control when you when you. Uh, when you're not when you're sort of like the pilot behind your eyes but you don't you're not really controlling yourself you're doing something against your own wishes you know um just okay. acting on instinct and so it's to, so that's to represent that um so that's not really work because all he had to do was describe in a couple of words opening up on some guy who didn't deserve it um and that was enough you know, and so it's just it's just doing things in the game is is and like taking a risk on an approach, for example, is um, when you roll dice check is normally for uh, when you do approaches, what happens is, is you don't you don't roll dice. You spend the uh, requisite um, pushes from your character. You, you make an effort, okay. exert yourself, and then you can just narrate what happens as part of it you know, you can narrate yourself succeeding. But if you take a risk, you get XP uh, because the risk teaches you something, whether you succeed or fail, basically, because you're pushing okay. yourself, right? So you, so instead of being sure and like putting F, like you've either expend all your effort or you're conserving your effort and you're taking a risk in some way. And so you, you then, that's, you can get XP for doing that and you can do that anytime you want. So anytime you're acting in the world in a risky fashion, it teaches you something. Um, but you know you, what you're giving up in that case is the uh, unassured success, right? Um, and then my combat actions have a different incentive structure as well because I intentionally structured them such that the um, actions that give bonus dice, like setup actions where you get advantage or um, burden a target with some disadvantage. Um, those are generally speaking slightly more powerful than just taking the action twice in a row. So doing a setup action and then um, doing like an execution action mm-hmm. is almost always going to be better than just two. Like doing a setup and then an attack is going to be better than two attacks in a row. Um, and I did that to make combat more dynamic because there's going to be times when doing that setup is going to be worth it and there are times that for various reasons it's not going to be worth it mm-hmm. but that will actually change tactically in the combat it's not going to be something where like oh i already, I, I have this spell so it always makes sense for me to want to go first and let off this huge spell it you know if in the first round of combat every time like there's nothing in ashes where it's where you're guaranteed to not either want to take that setup action or not take that setup action. So it it's one of the ways in which I keep, I, I want to maintain engagement because the situation can actually tactically change um, during combat. And it it's important for, and if you notice that you can, you can, 
do better. Hmm. And it's an incentive I put in the game to, to reward engagement with a, with a benefit. But the question remains that if one player puts eight points into the, into the pool where and another player puts two points into the pool, Oh, like the second player that did less Mm -hmm. kind of benefits from everybody else doing the majority of things yeah and but to me they're losing out on narrative impact um so there's there's an a, a, an in-game gain to be had for for doing things that um generate experience and i i also want to be clear that like a, a number of actions will generate experience as a group. So doing undertaking or completing anything, I guess it's successfully concluding. No, actually it's just concluding any arc that um, falls within the purview of your calling grants one XP for everybody present because it just assumes everybody contributed. Um, so that'll be, that's, I generally, that's generally going to happen like at least once per session, you know, where you guys are either, uh, the players manage to accomplish something in, in, in line with their calling. Um, that's intended to happen about once a session. So at least once a session, everybody's going to drop one in the pot, regardless of what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it reduces the burden a little bit, but it just rewards people that are putting their foot in the water, I guess. Hmm. But it doesn't, it doesn't really like reward. I mean, to your point, it doesn't reward them that much. It's still, there's still, but there is still that narrative impact they get to have. They get to be, be in the spotlight. They get to do something interesting. Cool. Um, Yeah. And then there's the consolation prize XP, which is if you're, one of your guys goes down, you get XP for, (laughs) you know, (laughs) witnessing that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is it, it's it's and it's also so, a mild incentive to um place your characters in danger you know yeah it doesn't it doesn't quite make up for it but it is it means that like you're actually putting your lives on the line and that's the experience i kind of wanted to um the, the kind of behavior i wanted to reward in some way even though like going down doesn't kill your character it, it it's an injury but it's it means that you got fucked up for a round at least right um, but you, but you get one uh i think for every time somebody goes down so if you if you just chuck yourself into a meat grinder you you get xp for it exactly which yeah. is an interesting like i always find that kind of stuff really uh i don't know curious i guess because <laughs> If you want to uh, aim like the the, then those kinds of things incentivize you to take risky or, um, in some cases, like very passive action, because um, you could play your game mm-hmm. in a way where you either run in and die gain experience and then like your hands off or you do almost nothing Mm -hmm. and by uh part of being in this like 
party, you gain rewards. Right. For it. I guess I guess I'm relying on the natural inclination of players to not want to get their ass kicked. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which is it's fair. And like that's that's totally reasonable to to uh, assume. Because it just feels bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it's 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 funny because that rule's been in play, like every playtest I've had so far, and nobody's act like that's been pointed out before. What you just pointed out was definitely pointed out, but nobody's actually tried to do it. Like nobody's been like like every time somebody goes down, somebody's like, oh shit, you know. It's never like the XP they get for it like never makes up for it in so far. Like in right. the playtest I've run, so I it, it feel it's way more. That's why I call it the consolation prize. Um, it doesn't it it doesn't feel like it incentivizes because the other stuff you can the other things you can do and get XP are come at little cost or no cost sometimes right. where yeah. you you know you're just you're or no material cost let's say like in game material cost um, right. where you're you're having a narrative effect but you're not there none of the numbers on your sheet change and that's a powerful thing for a player when the stuff on the sheet changes. And sure. so, so when you're checking off boxes and like you have like a minus one to do something now, or you, you take a permanent burden on a certain check like that hurts. Like there's an injury that goes along with that thing. That's, it's going to be a penalty of some kind. So, um, yeah, it, 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 that hasn't, that fortunately that thing hasn't manifested. Right. I, I totally understand that it could, <laughs> if somebody was just like, Hey, I can keep this. But right. The thing is it's also distributed, so it's like everybody's benefiting from your dying, and you're, and that kind of takes a little bit of the incentive away too, because it's like, well, why didn't they do it? You know, yeah, they could have gotten. We could have all leveled up like twice if everybody did it, but I only exactly. I did it, so yeah, so so it it brings up kind of the one of the questions that we had in our notes, which was, mm -hmm. is gameplay its own incentive? Um, and I think in those kinds of cases, it is. Because the idea is that if you don't play the game, then you're missing out on more fun. And while yeah. it might be hard work or harder work than just doing nothing and still getting experienced by everyone else doing stuff um, and interacting with the story and the narrative, that the act of playing the game is incentive. Yeah. The, yeah, the enjoyment you have and the enjoyment of watching your friends have a good time is... Yeah can't be understated like yeah. when it when it comes to rpgs because like there's you know when you're all sitting around the table and somebody cracks the exact right joke and that's it you just it just destroys everybody but that's mm -hmm. like the one of the most fun experiences you can have it's like somebody just hits like the exact moment with the exact right line and it you know everybody goes to pieces and that's that's just so enjoyable like you right. just, you're just hunting for that experience like yeah every time you're playing you know like that's why the, the 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 meme stories are what they are they're generally not what passes for standard fantasy fair it's like about the time somebody suplexed a dragon out of the sky you know and it was just so ridiculous everybody fell apart laughing so i'm just trying to like i i completely agree with you mm -hmm. um I'm trying to think of this in um, an academic way, or like a, mm -hmm. how to break this down. Because I'd say that there, there are three like, areas that we can create incentives for. 
Yeah. There's the fiction, so the narrative. Mm-hmm. There's the mechanics and the game system itself, mm-hmm. and the like the meta, um, the outside of the game. Like those are. Yeah. And um, I think we had touched on this before, but the idea that having the game by itself and be an incentive, like the incentive is to stay there to have that joke and to like right. see what happens when Rob suplexes a dragon because mm-hmm. that's hilarious and fun. And we want to interact with that. Yeah. Yeah. Just interesting to see. Um, I had a, yeah, yeah go ahead. Car. That, that <clears throat> gameplay is its own incentive, but it's kind of an existential incentive incentive toward playing the game. Like it's, it's the reason why you, the game is the reason why you play. Mm-hmm. But then within the experience, there are all these other kinds of incentives bouncing around that um, accentuate why you're there in the first place. Yeah. So, like, you can really enjoy role playing. But if the experience is not what you you want or expect, then you your incentive to play that game, that um, campaign, if you will, mm-hmm. can be lessened. Yeah, like if you just get bored of a game, you get bored of a game because of what's happening. Right. Yeah. Or what's not happening. Fiction, yeah. Or what's not happening. Yeah. Be it the. But, what the, how the system works or what the story is or the particular table dynamics like some groups are just shitty people and some groups are really awesome people yeah but you know that there's multiple levels of incentive involved exactly and i think it's cool to see that you can have contradictory incentives so you want to play the game but you also want to gain experience in an easy way. And if you just do nothing and gain experience, that's really easy, but it contradicts the incentive to interact with the table and play the game. Mm-hmm. So you can have, like, if your gaming group sucks and you don't like anybody at the table, there's a perfectly good alternative that is incentivizing you to do absolutely nothing and still have a cool character. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> But generally, we're hoping that everyone at the table is having a good time interacting with each other. And that that incentive is enough to say, let's actually play the game. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know that it's possible to design a game for, for shitty people who don't like each other. <laughs> like, well, I, don't, I don't know how you design that out of, the, out of human beings. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody has to have that like, hey, we want to be here and have fun with each other exactly. mentality going in because I, I, really, I think it's impossible. I think like, but, well, it's, like but it's possible for a game to to turn that yeah. or to exacerbate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely to exacerbate it. What were you going to say, Kibor? I think the closest thing I've seen to a game where uh, <laughs> for shitty people who hate each other is more uh, when it's describing the player characters, and that's called soft. <laughs> oh yeah well that's a different thing that's yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean fatal might be the 
might be the one I'm thinking of. Like, oh my but... god, we finally said it on stream. This was oh, uh, 20 no. something episodes. Yeah. We, we We're 25. On... This is episode 25. There we go. It's episode 24 of the listenable episodes. But that's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's not wrong. <laughs> no. Well, it finally came out. I didn't, we didn't just mention it because, but there it is. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that might be it. That might be the game for shitty people who hate each other. I don't think it's actually playable, so I'm not sure that's true. Mm. Well, I, I, if you don't start out hating each other, there's a good chance you will by the time you're done. Oh, for sure. <laughs> In the interest of moving away. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there were there were two games that I had written down as like weird examples of incentives, mm-hmm. um, and one of them for player characters that hate each other is paranoia, where yes. the objective of the game or the incentives of the game are to screw each other over. Um, so in that way, if everyone can interact with the game in a way where you're saying, "Oh, I I know that." This is what everyone's doing to have fun. And on that meta level, I'm able to say this is an enjoyable experience, then that's great. But it actively destroys the incentive of creating a compelling character, like mechanically or um, even narratively in some ways. Like it, it, um, yeah, the, it kind of steers you towards making characters that are not exposed in any way. Right. 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 Or if that you the incentive... play Paranoia as a character who's not exposed in any way, I think you're doing it wrong. The, the point is to die in a hilarious, flaming wreck that takes out as many people as possible. Right. <laughs> not to avoid dying. Don't be silly. Exactly. Because it plays... It, the, the incentives are there for that um, like, out-of-game meta level. That exogenous level mm-hmm. of, like, everyone's just here to have a good time. So the incentives right. are placed there as opposed to as part of um, the the narrative, per se. I right. mean, it still is in there, but I yeah. think the idea is that you walk away and you're like, that was a lot of fun. And not so much as like, oh, what a fantastic, compelling, uh, immersive story that was. Right. Yeah, Hole is the same way, I think. Hmm. Like, Hole is, is designed to have fun. Like it, it, it's a, it's, you know, it's almost a joke game, except it is playable, except the system is really wacky. Um, but that's what it is. Like it's, it's, it's got pre-generated characters, uh, until you got the supplement and then the supplements character generation system, um, was a fuckload of charts that gave you this random, like total abomination of a character to play. And as a gag basically like it's just the whole thing's funny like we would just roll <laughs> up characters for fun and just like see what we got and one time i got i i was the son of god and also i could pee pure napalm <laughs> and, I, that's, same. And th- that's yeah I, and those were things you could legitimately roll up on those charts <laughs> <laughs> that's what the kind of game it is it's just a gag and it, it, it you're that's a that's an astute observation that that like about paranoia like that that it its incentive rests in that its primary incentive rests in that meta level of like we're just gonna show up and have fun rather than 
we are going to deliver a story or we're going to advance our characters or we're going to um, get all the gold and buy all the stuff or what, you know, whatever mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. things are. Yeah, it's interesting. The, um, the other game that I'd written down was Dread. Um, mm -hmm. Because the, the central mechanic for Dread is that when you take an action, you pull a block from the Jenga tower, put it on top. And as long as you can keep doing that, you keep succeeding in your actions. Uh, if at some point you pull the block from the tower and it knocks the tower over, your character dies. Um, so that is, I think, basically the only mechanic in the game. Um, like that is the, the driving force. And uh, it's interesting because in a way you could also say that you're incentivized to do nothing in that game because your character is safest um, if you don't kill yourself. Uh, if you don't take actions that could potentially lead to your death, you could just be fine. Um, so that's another example of a game where playing story is incentive enough to take the risk to jeopardize your character. Um, so, yeah, and, and and plus, like every the incentive is like we, everybody wants to know who's going to die first. It's that's, right. That's that's always like the the moment of suspense in the in the horror movie. Like who's going to, you know, if you're a horror fan and you you know it gives you the cast of of, of red shirts in the beginning. Yeah. Um, like it's fun to sort of like, ooh, I wonder who's going to get the axe first, and it looks like it's going to be this lady, but no, it's this guy. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. if you were a mechanically focused min-maxer, you would just do nothing and be the last person to survive. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting that the the incentive works against you in certain ways, but mm -hmm. because there's a an idea of, I'm here to have fun and interact with people and right. play a game, um, that you take uh, actions that aren't incentivized um, in that same way. Yeah. That makes sense. There's no mechanic that, uh, I guess, rewards you to pull a block from the tower other than to keep the story going. Right. We get to do something. It's the spotlight yeah. is, is, right. the, is, is the incentive. Is right? the reward. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, and so I, I think that's... Do you you got uh, Mark? You got any others that you want to hit on? Like any weird examples? Any more other weird, weird examples? I think that's I think that's it. Uh, okay. I just kind of skimmed through some of my mm -hmm. like the library that I have, but I think those were the interesting ones that I wanted to bring out. Right. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to sort of get at is is dissect what makes um where where bad incentives. Are placed like what makes a bad incentive like what what makes uh besides it just being clunky let's say like where do games sometimes put the incentive in the wrong spot that we can uh identify and maybe caution people against um i think we already somewhat said don't incentivize things you don't want to happen yeah mm -hmm. yeah Pretty much, yes. Or or incentivize things that you that the game is not going to handle well, mm -hmm. right? Or incentives that will yank the 
yank the the experience or the narrative or yank something off off its rails right for no good reason mm -hmm. yeah yeah so this this idea of the narrative dissonance when you have when you have things happening in in the narrative that wouldn't happen except for the fact that a game is incentivizing them Mm -hmm. yeah, Another one I want to talk about briefly, unless well, the I'll I'll talk ahead. I'll finish and then I'll if you have something else to say you can say it. Um, the other thing that makes for a bad incentive is basically um, one that do that the result of the incentive slows down gameplay in a way that happens frequently enough that it becomes a problem. Mm. Yes. So, okay. That I don't really want to. I I was going to do a bit of a follow up, but it was just. But okay, I might as well commit. Um. So essentially, there's. Uh, if you're, if like your reward mechanic, uh, involves people going, uh, going under the scene in a way that's disruptive to it, it it's not a good work mechanic essentially mm -hmm. yeah point uh, uh i would also adding adding to that that's, that's something interesting that i didn't really think of until you brought it up but it the if the reward mechanic and there's some games that are especially guilty of this um is something that creates a lot of work outside the game um i think that is also problematic because you're taking because just as a matter of spent time yeah um you're you're spending time bookkeeping for a character rather than playing the character and having fun although i guess some people do really like that bookkeeping aspect mm -hmm. um but it it seems to me that there's even systems there's better and worse bookkeeping among among systems um, and for some that where it's, it, it can be pretty onerous. Uh, one, one, I think that stands out as, as particularly cumbersome, I think is shadow runs, uh, mainly because it's the karma system tends to be slow and most advancement is expected to happen through your equipment. Uh, but but acquiring new equipment and selling equipment all requires dice rolls and calculating percentages of the amount spent or gained. And it's just like, this is all to what, to what end I, I'm not having fun. Like, you know, the, the, the 10th time I had to buy ammunition, it wasn't cute. <laughs> like I had to roll for it and it, you know, it was easy, but I rolled a bunch of ones and it's just like, that's the narrative now is like, I have no ammo and Ooh. it's just, it's just weird. You know, like it just, it, there, there it's clunky and the tracking is, and it, it takes away the incentive of fun. It, like it, it just, it makes you not like bad experiences in play, remove that meta incentive. 
Um, well, there's also the there's the aspect of RPGs that no matter how a game is designed, mm-hmm. the players have the power to change it. Yeah, that yes, that's true, but that's not that's a fallacy. I mean, that's it's a design fallacy. Yes, of course they have the power to change it, but like the whole point is that they don't need to because we did the yeah. design work. Yeah. Right. So if the if the design is flawed in such a way that creates a disenjoyment of the experience, mm-hmm. then the players have a couple of options. They can either suffer through that flawed make that flawed design, yeah, attempt to fix it, or yeah. chuck Shadowrun in the bin and play something else. Yeah. Oh, I see. We got. I see. We are in the complaining about Shadowrun section of the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which comes just it, after y'all. the complaining about D anD D section. Yeah, <laughs> we skipped that this time. Don't mention its name. Ah, uh, shit! <laughs> Fuck no. Anyway, uh, but, there was well, another time. My, po- my point is that you know, players have this often unrecognized authority to meld a game mm-hmm. to serve them better. Yeah. I think that's true. I think a lot of times that's that's left it it's considered the purview of the GM to do that, but I think players should have as much input on that as as the GM does at least. At least at least an equal vote. You know, because there's there's times when I play games where I'm like I I don't want to play this anymore because these mechanics are making the game not fun. You know, like I'm, I, I'm there. There's a divided incentive here. Like I, I, you're telling me the narrative is telling me to do this, but right over here, there's this mechanic, which gives me higher numbers if I do this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm split because I, yes, I want to play through a cool story. But I also want to make the choices my character would make. And if my character can see something is better in the game, then why wouldn't they do that? Like, that's not what people do. People don't like weigh two options and then pick the worst one. You know, one's obviously worse for their themselves in in almost any scenario you can picture. Like, people don't do that, you know, unless they're crazy or addicts or have some sub some sort of other problem um, or they're lawful stupid or sure okay i wasn't uh, gonna go there but yes uh yeah if if but that's having a character wanting to go one way and being able to justify it and then having the story be pulling them a different way and feeling that tug within a game like has caused me to just not to, to walk away from the table like or if the mechanics were just boring like okay or tedious you know it, it's say something real quick yeah okay so another bad thing that like it kind of gets into the others but um essentially uh play carefully with mechanics that hit uh players against each other mm-hmm. um and generally don't generally don't re- specifically reward them for uh causing inter like they're like 
characters can have dynamic relationships. They don't all have to love each other, but uh, just really, but generally, uh, mechanically incentivizing. Uh, if you're going to have mechanics that incentivize screwing over other players, know that they're there before you start. Make it clear and have infrastructure built in to deal with the fact that they're going to be doing. Yeah, it. yeah. First, yes, seriously. Like, let them know up front that's that's to be expected. That's what this game's about. Like, the last thing you want to do is have that come up in a in a like, you know, the horror stories of the secret chaotic evil rogue in 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 Dungeons and Dragons to to be. Uh, to use an old and shitty example of like the rogue that just screws over the party at every turn and says mm-hmm. like, Oh, it's just my character. Right. No, it's not dude. It's not. <laughs> it's, that's <laughs> you, my friend. It's not the character. That's, that's, that's the kind of problem that I was very um, careful to lay out when I was, writing up how shanks work in legend craft mm-hmm. is that they're not about screwing over the players they're about shifting the narrative to a more interesting slash challenging direction mm-hmm. yeah it's an interjection about how something could get weirder mm-hmm. you know yeah I, I can see that because that that maybe you want to work in the weird aspect because that would be that would be an incentive personally for me like if i could like just make the circumstances of the thing strange i would be more apt to interact with that that kind of mechanic um the game itself doesn't really apply any particular aesthetic to mm-hmm. the turn it just says there's a turn mm-hmm. so whether the anyone at the table or it's a just like part of the group's culture that you know shanks are weird mm-hmm. that's that's not a that's not something that's, you're deciding yeah that's yeah. not something okay. i'm deciding that's for them to decide right okay Cool. I think as long as that's clear, like that, what your intent is for those things. So like, you know, these, these are, these are as narratively interesting as you want to make them, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a way for players to assert narrative control mm -hmm. at Hmm. a given moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Provided that it's like more interesting, you know, or, you know, more, cha- more, uh, what'd you say? More interesting, and more challenging. Uh, yeah. Or and there has to be yeah. right with a long-term narrative. Well, not necessarily long-term, but some kind of narrative impact. Mm-hmm. That's going to pay off later because how it works is one player makes a roll. Another player decides to shank it. Mm-hmm. And then the role gets adjusted. And then depending on the scope of that change, well, the role gets adjusted a f- fixed amount, but the the narrative scope of change 
can pay off different amounts of dividends later hmm. to both players or if they're big enough additional players so it's a way of getting experience points like you're yes you're give you're you're getting one for giving one you're you're setting up another player to get one and for the big if 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 the shank is big enough you can also get one yourself mm-hmm. or if when they turn bigger than the players get to decide who reaps the additional benefits mm. So it's a it's kind of a way to for players to put XP on the table for narrative reason. Mm. And then when it gets resolved, it gets picked up. Yes. Okay. Huh? Could you could could it be considered something like bidding? Then it's like um, it's like it's like a poker bid almost. Like I bet you can do this. No, because the roll happens, and then only one player can shank that roll. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, but it's like a, a two-player poker game then, where it's like, I bet you can do this with this additional complication. It, or... it depends on how. It depends on which way the shank goes and what the final result of the roll becomes. Hmm. So it's it's not a bet, it's a it's more like yanking the steering wheel. Huh. Hmm. I think he said investment earlier. Yeah, that was the initial idea of it was investing, but it's changed now so that there's a pool sitting in the middle of the table. You hmm. can you know doing a shank on a roll, you pull one out. And then whenever that shank gets resolved, one or more points get distributed to the uh, to the players. So it's kind of a way for, like, you've got the, the pool sitting in the middle of the table. You pull one out, and eventually it'll bloom into more. Hmm. I'm having a hard time envisioning it, but it sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's it's kind of like Kevor said, the original idea was in investment, but not where like you would put one of your character points in and then, then it would multiply itself in the payoff. Right. Right. But now it's a central pool that you can only pull so many out of so many out for at a time. Mm. Like each player can. Mm-hmm. And there's and the reason why it's only so many is so that it there's not like a million subplots happening at once, basically. Right. Well, not necessarily a million subplots, but like every other role gets right distorted shanked. or shanked. Yeah. So it's not supposed to be like we were talking about fate points earlier. It's mm-hmm. it's not going to be that kind of high amount of churn. Right. So like. I wanted to keep it low churn, but higher impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like and there, there's, there's different. 
they are XP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're like they are XPs, but they yeah. There's different sizes of shanks, like Mm -hmm. one point shank, which is like scene scope level. Mm -hmm. There's a two point, which is um tail like adventure scope level Mm -hmm. and then there's a three point which is campaign saga scale so like you could pull a three point shank in the first session Mm -hmm. and have it not pay off for three months (laughs) seems like right it seems like there's a large disincentive to do that though right i mean the incentive is to make the narrative more interesting. Right, but the but it should be most most the bigger impact should be not gonna, most shanks are not going to linger that long, but it's possible. But shouldn't they be worth a commensurate amount? Shouldn't it scale differently then? So maybe like. I don't know, one three seven or something like that, because it, it feels like an adventure of several sessions, you would want that to pay off like average one per session, I feel. Right. Um and uh and then a campaign length one, you'd want to pay off at least like every eight sessions, something like that. Cause that's, Something. that's two months. And so you'd want it, you want it to at least be eight, I would say seven, eight, nine, maybe, I don't know, one, three, nine. Um, because, because of the duration, like there has to be for for me to do that at the table. Right. I have to see that that three months of those points, not being in the central pool is going to be worth as much as me turning over scene ones just shanking scene duration because then i can get three xp per session and i don't have to wait for it to pay off down the road you see what i'm saying like there's the the incentive is would be to to do the higher churn lower impact in that case yeah and like it like it yeah and like i mentioned the economics of this have not been tested yet okay so there's there's well, still all these, like, I don't know how it's going to work. And, like, you guys all, were all there when I was developing mm-hmm. this, and you were all like, we have no idea how this is going to work. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I fully admit to that. I'm just saying whether <laughs> I think, I think if I were, I'm just, I'm just telling you my perspective. Like, if I were sitting down and being told yeah. about this rule set, what I would, the yeah. problem I would have with it immediately would, would be that like, here's where my, here's where my gameplay is going to go. Like okay. I can, you know, I'm, I'm just letting you know that there's an issue there or at least for me. Yes. No, that, that's valid. Uh, but we are a bit off topic. Does anybody yeah. have any closing? Well, thoughts? It was kind of an incentives question or at it least was, an, incentive, yeah, an, an, an incentives answer, at least I'm telling him yeah. where the incentives are in that, in that yeah. structure, you know, Yes, that's uh, fair. Okay. Wanted to, yeah, I wasn't. All right. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was everything I wanted to talk about. Yeah. 
we covered yep. uh, bad incentives and yeah. Okay, cool. I think, uh, I think that about wraps it up fellas. Yep. Um, so uh, thank you for tuning in listener. Uh, thank you for putting up with another dumpster fire tonight. It is <laughs> night where this is, wherever you are from all of us at flail forward car, Fred, Cavoir, Mark and myself, Rob. Thanks. And good night. Yep. Have a good night. All thank night. you. Also, Catrice and Spirit, probably. Maybe. And Jonathan. <laughs> yes. Oh, and Jonathan. Yeah, of course, Jonathan. Oh, all right. Good night, all. Good night. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Or the monsters. <laughs>